welcome to the inaugural episode of the Nerdthusiast Music Podcast, where we plan on going on a bit of a musical expedition, and we hope that you will join us on this journey. We plan on telling you each week what we will be touching on the next week so you can follow along, whether it is listening to a specific album or a band. When I say we, I am Matt, I'm from the Nerdthusiast Gaming Podcast, and you've probably seen me on the movie show a few times as well. We are joined by a new co-host this week, someone who has more knowledge of music than anyone that I personally know. Mr. John Brenner, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be on this uh, journey with you. Yeah, man. Welcome to the team. Uh, so today, today's going to be an unusual episode. We're not going to be following a specific band. We're going to be giving you guys a little bit of our background, our musical background, because you probably don't care about us personally, and that's okay, too. But we're going to talk about a little bit of our music history and why you might want to listen to what we have to say or what our opinions are on music in general. So we came up with a few questions beforehand that we're going to we haven't talked about. Me and John personally haven't talked about. We just came up with the questions together that we thought made sense for the show, just so you guys can get to know us a little bit. Now, on the next show, that's when we're going to get into our first topic. Stay tuned for the next show because we're going to be talking about 90s music videos, which I'm sure many of you will love. But let's hop into our very first question. What is the first record you ever purchased, John? This is kind of a, this is kind of a funny one, man. Um, the first record I ever purchased, that I ever went to a record store and bought, I was uh, seven or eight years old when I bought DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. He's the <laughs> DJ, I'm the rapper. That's awesome, man. So and the, you know what? I revisited it a few weeks ago and still good, man. Still good. I bought it because I wanted to listen to the Nightmare on My Street song. I wanted to, you know, I was all in the horror movies as a little kid. And I wanted to hear the, I wanted to hear the Freddy Krueger song. That's all I listened to on my on my boom box for for good year there. That's freaking awesome. So was this was this like uh, during like peak Fresh Prince, like early 90s, would you say? This is late eighties. This is before oh. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. This is uh, this is when um, parents just don't understand. This is the first record. I had no idea. That's that's really freaking cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Good times. How about you, man? What was the first one that you remember buying? Ironically enough, it was <laughs> it was not 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 late eighties. Unfortunately, uh, it's definitely uh, probably like early, maybe mid nineties, somewhere around there. But it was also uh, hip-hop <laughs> mostly hip-hop far as i can remember but it was the, the dangerous mind soundtrack featuring cool yeah. <laughs> yo yo that's it's iconic man it's iconic yeah man <laughs> i mean that title track alone was like worth buying the album for right like i don't i don't even know half the other songs on that album but i listened to coolio over and over again i, I think i gotta pull that off and see what was on that thing <laughs> <laughs> dangerous mind soundtrack yeah, um, but um, as far as like the first, the, the first one that I really that I bought that I was like, I'm into music. This is my thing. Was REM Documents, and I would have been in about second grade at that time. Oh wow! Yeah, so so you just so so we're on the same page too. You're a little bit older than me, not by much. You're just you're a little bit older than me. And I also got into music a little bit later than you did, just so we're, we're on the same page. I didn't really start listening to music until I was probably in like late middle school, like early high school. Of course, I listened to music before then, but I never really paid close attention to it. And that's when I started paying close attention to it. You were in second grade. So you really had a longer 
well, much longer musical experience than I've had. I have, I have, I have my mom to thank for that. Uh, you know, I was a very small child when she was playing like Tom Waits records for me. So it was, it was a different, it was a, it was an experience where like different and weird music was always encouraged. So it was, it was a good, it was a good place to be. It's funny. Cause I think your parents have a lot to do with that. When I, when I was younger, my, my father listened to country music and my mother listened to like, I, I don't know, I guess like mostly like pop and stuff, but like, she liked like Michael Bolton and stuff like that. Like I did not, I did not like music mostly because of my parents at that time. <laughs> and I've come to appreciate certain pop albums and like, I've come to appreciate you know, certain country albums and stuff like that. But I think that's why I never really connected with music until later on. And that, that, you know, listening outside of those genres made a huge impact on me. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Music, music was very big in my house. Now it's funny that you mentioned, uh, the stuff that your mom was listening to. That's like the stuff my sister was listening to. Oh, and it was very, it was very weird in my house <laughs> when like, you know, me and my mom are listening to Tom Waits records and my sister wants to, you know, listen to the new Peter Cetera, you know, <laughs> Chicago was like the greatest thing ever with her. <laughs> Man, you know what, you know, what's funny. My sister had a Chicago album too. Cause I, I remember seeing the cover of it and I remember like hearing that and shit and be like, I don't understand this. Like, <laughs> it's not for me like it's i don't why are you listening to this you're a teenager and i didn't i didn't get it at the time and i still i still really don't listen to chicago today to be honest they got some tracks they got some tracks they got some they got some decent stuff but it is funny it's like yeah you're you're 13 years old why are you listening to adult contemporary (laughs) it's bizarre man for sure We, it's funny because I would have never guessed your first album would have been like hip hop. And I then you probably would have never guessed that my first album would have been hip hop. That's very interesting, man. Different, different yeah. times, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the night summers in the late 80s and 90s could almost be, if in a time capsule, it's like, it's hip hop. That's very true. Very true. Like if you were a teenager in the, you know, the, the early to mid 90s, like, you know, you, you couldn't walk down the street without thinking like, Dr. Dre's The Chronic in your head, you know, it's, it was. Well, well, this is crazy to me, right? Because during that, you, you're 100% right. During that period of time, hip hop and R&B were some of the most listened to things like, you know, in the 90s and even even into the early 2000s that I listened to more than anything else. Like, I, I wouldn't say it was the most listened to thing, but it was certainly up there. there like, I love that music between those time periods. And now, like in 2021, I'm so like, not crazy about the new hip hop and R&B, at least the stuff that like you hear on the radio. I'm sure you can go seek out certain bands and things like that, you know, certain artists, but I just, I really don't listen to hip hop and R&B nearly as much as I used to. And when I do go back to it, it's still stuff from that era. Yeah. Like it, it was, it was, a, there was a, there was like a happiness to it almost. I would say it was like a party. You know, everything was like about having a party and I don't know what the hell they're singing about now, but they're all like depressed and shit. And like, you know, I'm like, man, where's the party atmosphere? Like, bring that No, no, I'm with you 100% on that. Because like, I don't, I try my hardest to not be the, you know, back in my day, everything was better guy. Because you know what, fine. And you can seek out great stuff. I'm sure you can. I still, like, I still try to. Yeah. But I, I but, but as far as like, radio plays there was just a different vibe there was just a different vibe to uh hip-hop in the night it certainly was man 
So, I mean, I mean, for me, like that is probably like, unfortunately, that's one of my more least listened to genres at this time. But I, I wouldn't say that it's my least listened to. My least listened to is certainly like jazz music. Like I, I've tried to listen to jazz a bunch of times and I'm not crazy about jazz whatsoever. Uh, but what what about you? Like, what, what is your least listened to genre? Mine probably is jazz because you know what? If, if somebody's listening to jazz, I'm like, man, I'd rather just listen to some soul. Like, I don't want to listen to jazz. Jazz isn't fun to me. It's it's a lot of you can play your instruments really well. And I respect that. That's great <laughs> that you can do that. You have this great mind for music, uh, music, you know, implementing your instrument. But it just doesn't. I'm just like, where's the song structure? Like, I want a song. I want a melody, I, you know. I want a party. So yeah, that's, that's why I'll, I'll listen to soul and R&B all day long. But jazz just never really spoke to me. Yeah, that's something that always can confuse me when you're talking about like structure and stuff like that. Like, you know, I, I, I'm not like the best artist in the world or anything like that. I played guitar for a while. I was in I was in a few bands. I know that you were as well. And there's a structure to that. Like, you you know, when you play music, it's like, OK, you expect the sound to go in a certain way. Like you can almost anticipate where music is going to go for the most part until you get to jazz. And then it's just like, oh, you thought we were going here? No, we're going to go over here. And I don't <laughs> I'll tell like you, that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, speaking of jazz, there was one. I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some jazz pieces I like. Some Dave Brubeck stuff's really cool. You hear them on commercials and you know them, you know, you hear them all the time. But there was one jazz <laughs> record. It was by a group called the New York Ska Jazz Ensemble. And this was like in the, in the, in the mid-90s during that, uh, you know, that third wave ska boom. And it was a really good record. We used to listen to that in my record store all the time. And it was very jazz influenced, but it, but it had the ska and it was, it was fun. It was, it was different. different. That's and what I haven't listened to too. It's, it's ska I, for sure. Cause we have I different had, opinions on ska as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I had, but it's funny though, is I haven't listened to that record in 20 years plus, and I'll probably listen to it when we get done recording. <laughs> Cause I just thought of that. Well, see, that's, the, that's another thing I love about music is like it, music is one of the few things that will literally transport your mind into a specific place in time. Like, you know, you have songs that you associate with things that will never, ever, ever change. You know, like, I'm going to give you just a quick example. I, I don't remember much of what happened. My, my, my cousins, uh, who I used to play like video games with and hang out with when I was little, they, they were moving to California and I grew up in New Jersey. And I remember being in like the in the in like the car or the van with them when they we were dropping them off at the airport for them to basically leave for who knows how long. The last song we heard was a Beach Boys song, and every time I hear that Beach Boys song, that's immediately what I'm trans. Like I, this, the second I hear that song, I'm fucking back in the fucking van listening to that song right before dropping them off to the airport. And it's things like that where where music music is like the only thing in my opinion that can truly do that to you, even if it's from a video game or, or like a movie or something music will transport you back to that time where nothing else can do the same thing. Well, now I got to ask you what Beach Boys song was it? Because disclaimer, uh, this guy is a massive Beach Boys obsessive. <laughs> uh, Kokomo? Oh, no, I was thinking in my head, please don't be fucking Kokomo. <laughs> I, I listen, I listen to uh, quite a bit of Beach Boys, like especially in the past few years. That's definitely not their best song, but that happened to be the song that was on. Oh, I know. No, there, time. there can be. Yeah, it's not always a good song that reminds you of a, of a, of a special time and place, you know, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's lots of people in 90s middle school dances that had some uh, really terrible songs that remind them of great times. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. And like, like I said, music, in my opinion, is like, I can't think of anything more powerful than music to transform you back to that point in time. Very nostalgic. Oh, I can, anytime, like anytime I think of like a, a band that I love, I can always remember where I was the first time I heard them. Like that's always a thing. You know, it was lots of like my friends, cool older siblings that liked cool records. And like, I remember just like where I was the first time I heard that, you know, the first time I heard Descendants, Milo Goes to College. The car, I was in the, was in my friend Mike Carney's brother's Brad's uh, you know room and it was like what is this amazing sound and that was you know I'll never forget it it's Stop funny it. you mentioned that record because the the I, I may have heard that record before and not noticed but the first time I paid attention to it I was I was driving in like a like a, a richer neighborhood in like a downtown area uh, with friends from high school and Milo goes to college was playing and I was like what what the fuck is this and they're like oh it's Milo <laughs> goes to college the descendants I was like, this is this is fantastic. While we're driving by all these rich people, <laughs> it's just like it's like super weird. Suburban home. <laughs> yeah, man. Suburban home. Yeah. Dude, it was oh man. And like yeah. like ever since that day, it was like I knew immediately the second I heard a song off that soundtrack, because I, I paid very close attention to that soundtrack the rest of that day. It was like you know, it, I'm sorry. It's not even a soundtrack. It was a soundtrack to my life, but it wasn't a soundtrack, obviously. No, I know what you mean. I know what you meant. I was going to correct you. I'm like, no, he's what he's saying actually makes complete sense. Yeah, know? man, because I, I can picture it in my head still. I'm in 37, and that was probably 25, you know, two fucking years ago or some shit. And I can see it like it was yesterday. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's funny though. Going back to that t- era in time, do you know what I still do? I make Spotify playlists that have to come in at 90 minutes tops. <laughs> I, I have like my, my, my max L uh, blank tape, mixtape rules. Like it can't like for, 45 minutes, one side, 45 minutes, the next side. So sometimes my, <laughs> my playlist will be like 86, 86 and a half minutes. You know, I, I play by those rules still it's kind of funny. No, that's awesome, man. You, you know, that, that's another art that's lost. I'm sure, look, I, I'm sure eventually we're going to do a whole show about how people don't listen to albums anymore. And that's completely bizarre to me. Like, I, I totally appreciate listening to albums and artists used to create albums around that. And now I would say half the artists out there are just trying to create singles and it's it's fucking terrible. But again, that's like you said earlier, like the old man coming out and me like, oh, so much better back in the day. Yeah, I mean, there's still great albums that come out now, but it's it's funny though that um, thinking of you're, you are right about a singles-driven business more nowadays. But it's like funny is that I always wanted that era to come back, and now that it did come back, I don't necessarily like it. Like for instance, I used like I was always envious when I'd like get into a band and then see like some of their best known songs aren't even on an album they just came out around that time that out that a certain album came out and it was cool that they had like 20 songs from that era of when that album was recorded so it's like so in one regard i'm like happy that we're that singles are back but at the same time it seems like the albums are lost in the shuffle yeah everybody's everybody's playing for the algorithm instead of playing for the audience which is unfortunate yeah. No, I can't complain with Spotify's algorithm because I, I, I've i actually gotten into quite a few bands over quarantine because of that algorithm. <laughs> so I'll have to talk to you about that on the side. Though. That's not something I want to bring up here. But I think I, I've used Pandora, Apple Music and Spotify, and I think all of them are trash. 
which is another reason why I'm happy we're doing the show because personal recommendations have always been better than any of those things. And I know I, oh, I, sure. Apple music, I know specifically has people behind it, like saying, Oh, if you like this band, you'll like this band. My, my problem with these things are that Spotify gives me too much of what I already know. There's just too much. Apple music gives me too much of what I don't already know. And then Pandora just, I don't, I don't, it's whatever. Like, it's- <laughs> Pandora, Pandora's just like, Pandora's just like, you're like, I'm like, I'm like listening to like Iron Maiden radio. And then the next thing I yes. know, Chicago is playing. I'm like, what? Yeah, the algorithms are definitely weird, which, you know, I, again, that's why I'm glad we're doing this podcast. We're going to recommend things to each other. You know, maybe I'll, it'll be rare, but maybe I'll bring something new to your table, but it'll be quite often that you bring something new to mine, which I'm excited for. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember, I remember when I was like, you know, the, the music store snob and like I would like be like annoyed when people didn't know something and then I got to be about <laughs> like 20 got to be about 25 or so and I'm like wow that's got to be really awesome to be this person that's going to listen to this for the first time like I got envious of it like I thought it was awesome it's like man no no need to be that curmudgeon that's no fun enjoy it yeah man it's exciting finding something new that you didn't know existed before yeah, it's, it's, it's actually been happening with me a lot lately, and it's really, it's exciting. Like, stuff that's, like, 25, 30 years old. I'm like, how have I never heard this record before? Like, this is cool. And that's, and that's what uh, I always say. Like, I, I, I'm very, you know, honored by you saying that I know more about music, you know, more about music than anybody you've known. But it's like, I might know more than most people, but I only know a drop in the bucket. That's how much music there is out there. Yeah, that's true. There's 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 more music than anybody can listen to in a lifetime, especially now with the internet and like, you know, smaller bands being like spotlighted. That's definitely a huge difference right now. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's like uh and it's a global community. I have friends, you know, I have a friend from Belgium that I met at a uh at a punk festival in Philly that he would come, he would come every year for it. And we became good friends and he turns me on the stuff from over there. It's fun. Yeah. That's awesome. John, what was the first show that you remember attending or that, you know, for sure that you attended? Okay. Well, this is, uh, I, I kind of have two answers for this because, and there was funny, they were both the same place, the uh, man music center in Philadelphia. The first one, I don't know if it counts. I was about age six. And I was dragged with my mom and sister to go see Debbie Gibson. <laughs> but the, but the, 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 first, the first rock show I went to, uh, I was 12 years old. And it was Butthole Surfers, Stone Temple Pilots opening. Oh, Plush wow. Just, Plush had just dropped. Uh, core was a big deal. But like when the tour was announced, Butthole Surfers were the bigger act. And then... Stone Temple Pilots blew up during the tour. That's crazy and, to think about. And the the opener, the the band that opened the show, was Flaming Lips. So I go on to I would go on. What to year was this? Nineteen ninety three. Phillies wow. were awesome. It was it was a good good summer. Good summer. I was twelve years old. Um, That's but so yeah, crazy was, to me. Like, <laughs> and, and, then I, and then I would and then I would go on to be a bigger fan of Flaming Lips than the other two. So it's kind of kind of crazy. Kind of crazy yeah, thing. I mean, you would think obviously uh, you would say that like if that were if that show were to happen today, that butthole surfers would be opening for you know next the flaming lips and then Stone Temple Pilots would probably be the headliner if that were to happen. Obviously, that guy's dead and all that stuff. But if if they were all still alive, that would probably be the order of things. Yeah, butthole surfers were pretty great though. 
<laughs> pretty great. Pretty great. Not saying anything bad against them. Uh, Just yeah. saying, you know. So, so how about you? What was the first one you attended? Mine was problematic because I didn't understand what was happening. And my my cousin, uh, I, I would say there's two people who influenced me musically more than anybody else. One is my cousin, Patrick. The other is you, which is why I wanted you to do the show, because you've recommended more great bands to me, you know, than probably anybody else. Uh, my cousin Patrick got me into music where I, you know, he started me playing guitar. He got me into like heavy metal and stuff that I wasn't listening to before. And I was, I think I was 13 or 14 years old. And he was like, hey, we're going to go to a concert. And I was like, okay, what concert? He's like, we're going to go to Guar. I was like, what the fuck is Guar? Yes, yes. And he was like, He's like, don't worry about it. You're going to have a great time. I was like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I don't even know that I listened to Guar a day before the show or anything. My mom was like, oh, you got to take care of him. I was like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> that was the first time I remember smelling weed. And I was like, dude, what the fuck is that? He's like, oh, that's fucking <laughs> weed, man. I was like, oh, that's what that smells like. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's amazing. Dude, that's yeah. a fucking banger. That's a banger. This is the problem. That show was so high. Like, that was, like, so amazing. Like, it was a mind-blowing experience. Go, if, if you Kids, if you guys, adults, whoever, if you can go to a Guar show, they're, like, 25, 30 fucking bucks. Go to a Guar show. It doesn't matter about the music. It's the performance. It's a performance art piece. And that show was so amazing that every other show <laughs> every, I've seen after yeah. it was just like, oh, this is, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You're totally right. And even... Even with uh, even without Baraki, they're still great live. I've I've seen them twice, uh, you know, post Baraki R.I.P. and they're uh, they're still great. They're still great. I haven't seen them since since, since he passed away, unfortunately. Um, but I mean, Guar is like so. I mean, I can't Guar Guar to me if like for, if you if you want, like play video games and stuff. Guar to me is like VR. I can sit here and explain it to you all day, and you're not gonna have a fucking clue what I'm talking about until you go to a show and you experience for yourself. That's when you're going to understand what, what the hell is happening. I always say it's an adult water park. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to describe it, man. And, and if you haven't been to a Guar show and you're going to go, get yourself just a plain white T-shirt and that's your souvenir. You don't even need to buy a T-shirt, man. Whatever colors you come out with out of one of those shows, that is your souvenir because that's more authentic than buying a T-shirt off the rack. Oh, I have my, I have my, I have, uh, my plain white shirt that I wore to like my third or fourth Guar show that I wear to, I've worn to every subsequent one and it just keeps getting crap on it. It's really fun. <laughs> That's freaking awesome, man. I, I have, I used to keep them. I don't know if that I kept them. I haven't kept any since I moved to California, but when I, I was, uh, you know, in high school and college back in New Jersey, I kept all my guar shirts and I, I had a different one for every shirt, but that's, that's awesome. Like keeping the same one and wearing it each time. Although I'm sure that thing smells like a fucking trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I washed the inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's three, it's been in three different States. Uh, guar shows at three different States. It's a good time. Yeah. yeah guar, that's some... a, that's a, that's a killer. That's a killer for a show. You've never told me that, that that was your first show. That's fucking cool, man. That's fucking cool. I like i said it was problematic because the, the the bar was set so high that like so so frequently i'm disappointed at shows ever since then yeah i i remember seeing them right right around halloween in philly it would have been 99 
I saw them in 97 and 99 in Philly around Halloween. But it was 99 one. It was it was uh, it was really fun because the openers were uh, the Misfits. Mephis I was at that show. Yeah, I was at, at that Murphy's show Law, at Murphy's Law. Yeah, that was at, at the Electric at, Factory. And Techno Destructo came out and killed fucking Jimmy G during the Murphy's Law set. It was like yeah, that's so man. cool that Guar would like use their props during Murphy's Law set. Like that's so cool. Yeah, man, that might have been the first time I listened to Murphy's Law. Also, dude, that show was awesome. That was a great show. Holy that crap, a great, that was a great time. And I didn't the, even uh, know you then, and we were at that show. Yeah, yeah. I I was a I was a senior in high school and I remember me and my uh me and my buddy John, who's probably the person I know that knows most about music, we got lost on the way home back to Long Beach Island, New Jersey, and we stumbled into uh we stumbled into school the next day on zero sleep wearing bloodstained <laughs> bloodstained t-shirts. <laughs> and people were just like, Oh, you went to Guar, huh? Uh no, another funny one. Last time Brocky would have played with Guar in Philly, I was at the show. It was This Is Hardcore Festival 2013. And I'm walking home from the show because I lived a few blocks from the Electric Factory. And this was during the days of uh, Breaking Bad. So I was going home to watch Breaking Bad on uh, DVR. And I stopped nice. in the 7-Eleven. I stopped in the 7-Eleven to get my, uh, you know, my Breaking Bad snacks. And I am just covered in, I'm wearing my t-shirt. <laughs> it's covered in blood. And, uh, and, uh, there's a guy there's a guy in the uh, story he goes squar in town or something i go yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's freaking phenomenal yeah good times man uh, yeah definitely go see guar if you get the opportunity you have to see guar absolutely going back to something you mentioned earlier about like the, the opening bands for butthole surfers um what what was an opening band that absolutely blew your mind was it that show like with the flaming lips or an stp or was it a different show well flaming lips did blow my mind that was uh you know she don't use jelly was their big single you know and it was was, man there's just been there's been so many but i remember i remember going to stalag 13 which was like a cool philly punk club legendary place it was uh very, very fond memories in that place. And I remember we were going to see uh, Down By Law play. And I wasn't the biggest Down By Law fan. I, I, like, I, I like him. Dave Smalley's kind of the man. But Violent Society opened up. And they just blew my mind. Like, just absolutely blew my mind. And I just wanted to be a part of Philly punk rock. Like, that's when I knew that day I wanted to be part of this scene, was seeing Violent Society. It was like, wait, and I, I can go see this band every week if I want? And that was just, that was a really big deal to me. That's awesome. I don't, I don't know that I've ever listened to them before. I might have heard some of their songs and just not known it was them, but I don't recall like going out of my way to listen to them. Yeah, great stuff. Great, really, really just great band. And uh, every every few years, they'll just uh, kind of drop a record. It's a good time. I'm like, oh, wow, New, New Violent Society. I'm throwing this on. For me, it was uh, it was different. It was it was definitely different. It was a bigger band for sure. It wasn't a local band, unfortunately. They are local to Chicago, I believe. But there was a period of time where I, 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 I like it was probably between high school and college. I was in a band. I was all about music at that time, and I still love music to this day, clearly. But not you know, I, I wasn't devoting everything like every second of my life to it like I was then. But nobody wanted to go to a band religion show with me, if you can believe it or not. I couldn't find anybody to go to this bad religion show. So I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm going to go see bad religion by myself. I don't care. And I did that. I did that a few times. And it was also, again, at the Electric Factory in Philly. And 
I ended up talking to a guy who worked at like the radio station and he was like, Oh yeah, you got to go see the opening act. I was like, I was like, I came here for bad religion. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't really care about anybody else. You know, I'll sit in the parking lot and do whatever. I, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to go in there and bed religion starts. He's like, no dude, seriously, you need to go see the opening act. I was like, come on. Like, are they even that? Like, I like bad religion. Like, that's what I want to see. He's like, no, just, just trust me, go see them. I was like, all right, fine. So I got in there, like, as this opening back, the band was already playing because I already missed a couple songs. And the band ended up being Rise Against, who was, I, 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 don't, I don't know how you feel about Rise Against. I think they're fucking awesome. And I couldn't believe the show that they put on. You know, this is when uh, their breakout album came out. I think it was, like, uh, Sirens, Sound the Alarm or something, something like that. I, I can't recall. Um, but that that was, like, their breakout album. Like, after that tour... They became like huge. Like, there's no way that they would be opening up for Bad Religion. It would have been reversed. Like, Bad Religion would have been opening up for them. And holy shit, they put on such a great show. I was so happy that I listened to that guy from the radio station. And I never saw him again after that. Otherwise, you know, I would have thanked him. Like, thank you so much for letting me go see Rise Against before they became like super popular. Now you see them in like stadiums and shit. It's crazy. That's a good. That's a good time. That, I, I like that. That's that's fun. No, I was never the biggest Rise Against fan, but but I get it. I get the appeal. I, I get the appeal. I, I I see why they blew up. Yeah, but I mean, like fun. that fast, like loud music that, like, obviously they're like politically driven as well as Bad Religion. Like, he was like, if you like Bad Religion, just go see this band. And thank God I listened to them. But it's funny that you mentioned that though, because uh, when talking about Bad Religion, as you know, Bad Religion is my favorite band. Uh, but it was funny. I was I was going to see them. It would have been the New America Tour 2000. And the Promise Ring was opening. And Promise Ring were your, you know, your 90s emo band. And it was, I, I always joke that so many people were outed as 90s emo fans at that show when like me and my friends are like all singing along to the Promise Ring songs and being, <laughs> and being like, wait, you know this too? <laughs> I'm like, yep, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Hey man, it happens. We all have we all have stuff saying that we're you know fans of that we're probably a little embarrassed about. I'm sure it's going to come up many times on this show. Yeah, it, it's just funny that specific genre. It was like when you're like when you're trying to be like tough guy hardcore dude. You know, you don't really uh, you don't really admit to being into the J Tree bands, but I love them. I love them all. <laughs> I so. As you guys get to know us more and more, John, John, you probably have more nostalgia for like a lot more than the 80s than I do. I, I like the 80s as well, but like not to the same extent that you do. I have way more nostalgia for like like 90s music probably in like early 2000s. And I definitely like some emo bands as well. It'll come up from time to time for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One thing that <laughs> we don't have to talk about it now, but we will talk about My Chemical Romance because there's a funny story that John brought up that I forgot about. We went to a face-to-face <laughs> show. We'll talk about that later on. But it's it, if you like My Chemical Romance, you're going to be very disappointed in both of us. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good story. I, it was funny, too, because I tell that story at the time. People are like, really? Like, yeah. And what's crazy about them is I like see like old flyers that I had in my room as like, uh, you know, in high school. And they'll be like on the flyer. And I'm like, I have no recollection of this band being part of the Jersey hardcore scene. Like, but they were there. Like, it's just funny. I probably seen them multiple times and had no idea. No idea. It wasn't until like, like mid to like late college, like 2000, like 2005, 2006 that I really paid attention to them. Yeah, it it is. It is pretty funny. Yeah. 
Bad Religion was one of those bands, though, that always had openers. They always had good openers at Bad Religion shows. Yeah, they do. They, they always had bangers, for sure. So let me ask you about this. We're talking about, like, you know, differences between music. This is, this is probably a good place to transition. Van Halen. There's two different Van Halens, in my opinion. There is, obviously, there is David Lee Roth, and then there is Sammy Hagar. I think we're probably on different sides of the fence in this, which is okay. That's fine. Everybody has their own things, but we're not going to talk about that yet. What, what is your relationship with Van Halen? How do you feel about them? You know, what is your history with them? Okay. Well, I love Van Halen. Um, I think Van Halen, Van Halen's one of those bands. I don't necessarily subscribe to this belief, but I could go into a court of law tomorrow and make the argument, a compelling argument, for Van Halen, greatest American rock and roll band, I can make that. I can make that argument. Um, as a kid, obviously, I thought they were just the coolest. I mean, how could you not think those videos were just the coolest thing ever? Hot for teacher, jump, you know, when you're when you're you know five six year old kid that just jumps off at the screen at you. And I actually have a really funny Van Halen story. One of my first memories of Van Halen was being on the Gravitron. At the Bonner Fair, circa 1987, and Jump is playing in the Gravitron, which is the most 80s thing ever conceived. <laughs> and I puked all over the place. And it's just one of those, uh, one of those, one of those things that I always remember. But no, I always thought Van Halen was just the coolest. Eddie's why I wanted to pick up a guitar. And yeah, there are two different Van Halens, and I spent most of my teenage life hating the sammy stuff like i just thought it was the worst and then um then it was probably about 2001 they did that tour it was the it was the sam dave tour where sam sam it was solo uh, sammy hagar and solo david lee roth and they were touring together and i went with my uh my my boss at the record store I worked at at the time. This this is the tour where they would take turns headlining. Where one night it yes. would be Sammy, one night it would be David. Exactly. I remember so my boss was a huge Sammy era fan, and I just remember thinking, I really hope Dave headlines this show because I don't want to have to sit through Sammy after Dave plays. Dave plays, Dave was great. And Dave is just doing the Van Halen thing. He's wearing a long wig and he's doing the kicks. <laughs> and he's like, he thinks it's 1982 all over again, you know? And it was great. It was great. He played a great set. But then Sammy plays and he was awesome. He brought Michael Anthony out from Van Halen. Um, they're playing all the, and, and there it is. I was, I was outed as a Sammy Hagar era Van Halen fan because I'm singing along to these songs and I just loved it. So two years later, uh, they got back together. Van Halen got back together with Sam. I went to, uh, went to see him in Philly and it was like one of the, one of the great shows I've went to. And it was a record store field trip. It was me, my boss and two of the, two of my other coworkers. Uh, one of which is uh, my buddy, Tom Sibley who is a, uh, he's a comedian out in LA now. That's what he does. You, you probably recognize him from commercials and stuff. But he, um, we were a little wasted at this show. 
And we're, real quick, we're, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but real quick, you said a record store show trip. That this is regarding the time that you worked at a record store in Long Beach Island. Is that correct? That is correct. That is okay. correct. Suburbia, Suburbia, which is no longer with us, it's a great store. I worked there for many years. Um, so we're we're on the ride home, and Tom goes, "Man, he's he's pretty wasted." He goes, "Man, that was so cool when they played Cannonball." And it got really quiet and awkward in the in the uh, in the car, and we put two and two together and realized that he thought Panama was cannonball. <laughs> oh so, so for years we would go to the bar and I Panama on the jukebox and just go up to him and go cannonball. And then uh, you know, and then then a few years later they get back together with Dave, and um, I went to see him at the. You were talking about shows that you could not get somebody to go to. I had an extra Van Halen ticket and I could not get anybody to go with me. And, That's crazy. And I wound up asking um, this girl, Stacy, if she wanted to go, this girl I've been talking to, that was our first date. We wound up going out for a year and, you know, we, you know, ex-girlfriend that me and her always joke. That was the greatest first date ever. Like I can never be topped like Van Halen show. Like, oh yeah. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. So yeah, so I was pretty, I was pretty devastated when, uh, when, uh, when uh, Eddie passed. That, I, 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 I was, I, I say that to people. That might have been the hardest celebrity death I dealt with. I wasn't expecting that. I really wasn't, but really but hit me like, hard. This is this is the thing about guitarists that are like very unique. Like when a singer dies, it impacts the band in like a, in a great way because the singer is like iconic. Like you know who the singer is. Eddie did that through his guitar, which. There are other guitarists who can do that. You know, you listen to like Hendrix or somebody like that, but there are not many. There are not many guitarists you can listen to and be like, oh, this is this person. But Eddie yes. was certainly one of those people, like like top tier guitarists. Yeah. And, and then if you look at the, the, uh, the, the Sammy era, the synth work that Eddie was doing was very iconic and very Eddie Van Halen. Like you listen to those synths on, the, on those, that synth work on, those, on that era of Van Halen. And you know it's Van Halen. It might not be the Van Halen you like, but it's very distinct. And it's very, I mean, the guy was just a genius. I mean, he was very experimental too. Like he would cut off pieces of a guitar, like pieces of his guitar, not to cut it off to be cool, to make it sound different. Like who the hell was doing shit like that? He's like, oh, I'm just going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all this weird shit to try to make it sound unique. And that's that made a huge difference in his music, in my opinion. Oh yeah. And, and it's really, and it was really neat was when, after he passed, I just got into listening to a ton of interviews and podcasts about Van Halen. Like I just wanted to hear anything I could about Van Halen. And then like hearing like these, their, their club stories, like from their club dates and they would, uh, you know, be playing with punk bands and shit. Like very, very different. Like they, like they had that, era too and they then they just blew up and became like the biggest band on earth there for a while yeah definitely so how, so how about you what you, what are what are your thoughts on van halen so i i listened to them a lot again mostly like in high school and stuff like that and then so at the time that i was listening to him van halen wasn't really together and for those of you who live in the philadelphia area there's like there's like two rock stations that are like really popular it's like 94 something and then wmmr and wmmr had like an anniversary show it was like i don't know 
their 30th, 40th, 50th. I don't fucking remember. They had like a huge anniversary show and David Lee Roth was the headliner. And I was like, hell yeah, dude, I'll go to, I'll go see David Lee Roth. And at the time it was great that like, David Lee Roth still sounded good. He was still, he was still like trying to do like his like high kicks and shit like that. He was still David Lee Roth. He was, if you, if you watched him any time in the past, like I would say 10 years, definitely isn't what he used to be, unfortunately, but I still got to see him before he like started falling apart uh, age wise, you know, and probably drug wise, let's be honest. And that was a great show because he played some of the best David Lee Roth hits and he played some of the best Van Halen hits. And I, I like, I don't know. I really like David Lee Roth. And like, I, I know that I've listened to Sammy Hagar stuff before. I respect Sammy Hagar stuff. I, I think, you know, him playing guitar is great and all that stuff. But the, what this is the difference from David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. Is, is David Lee Roth actually said it himself. Sammy Hagar makes songs about love and he makes songs about, you know, anything else, you know, not usually revolving around love. And I was like, that's, that's pretty true. Like David Lee Roth songs are fucking, he, you know, they're totally different. Yeah. A lot of them about like women and girls and stuff like that. I get that. But like, you know, jump is about like, you know, fuck it, go have fun with your life and shit like that. Where, um, Sammy Hagar did write most of his songs about, about love, which is fine. But like, that's something that to me, that's something that almost everybody writes about. And David Lee Roth was just doing something different, which is made, what, what made me like his music more than Sammy Hagar's. Oh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a Dave first guy. Absolutely. It is, it is funny when, when I, when I, when I described the, the, the Sammy era, I'm like, oh, it was like power ballads that were actually good. <laughs> like, they are, they, that's a good way to describe it. I never thought about it like that. They, they, Hagar definitely did ballads for sure. Yeah. It's different. It's, 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 it's crazy though, that what I always find so, I mean, it speaks volumes on the genius of Eddie Van Halen that you lose an iconic frontman like David Lee Roth. You, you kick him out of the band and you bring in Sammy Hagar and you do something completely different. And then 5150 sells more records than any other previous records. Like that's insane that that happened. Well, that was the smartness of, of Eddie for sure. It was like, we can't do the same thing. We need to do something different. You know, like, like I think that was probably, that's why they were able to tour with both of them. Like he was like, look, like I said earlier, they're like two different bands like that. You know, even though they were both in, you know, essentially great in their own realm, they're, they're just completely different. They even modified the, the logo when, when Dave joined the, or when Sam joined the band, they, 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 uh, it wasn't the uh, the wings were rounded when uh, when Sammy was in the band. So they, they, they everything about it, they it was very known that it was going to be distinctively different. But it's still Van Halen. Like it's crazy that you can do that, that they were able to do that. Yeah, it, it was extremely smart, definitely without a doubt. John, was there ever a show that you missed that you regret not going to? Absolutely. Um, as you know, I'm a, I'm a big I'm a, I'm a I love heavy metal and I was always, I'm, I'm the weirdo who is partial to the Ronnie James Dio era of Black Sabbath. That, that's, yes. that's my I'm shit. Aware. That's, that's my shit. Um, they, I had just seen them on the metals masters tour with, uh, I mean, do you want to talk about a amazing metal lineup? It was Judas Priest were the headliner. And then it was the openers were, uh, Heaven and Hell, which which is Sabbath with uh, Dio on vocals, uh, Motorhead, and Testament. 
Like that's just a killer bill. One of the best shows. When was what year was this? This would have been two thousand and nine. I would say. I would never have guessed it would have been that late, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, great, great, great show. So about six months later or so, I might have the years wrong, but it was about six months later. Heaven and Hell is playing at the House of Blues in Atlantic City, right down the street from us, with uh, Coheed and Cambria as the opener, and. Me and my brother were like, uh, we just we we just saw, we just saw Heaven and Hell, you know. We just saw that that was our Sabbath show. We're we're good. Well, two months later, Ronnie James Dio dies, cancer, and that was the last ever show that Ronnie James Dio performed live. So That's I could crazy. have said, I could have said, I saw Ronnie James Dio's last show. So that's that that that, that one always hurts that I didn't go to. Man. Yeah, I, I definitely, I've been there myself. Um, unfortunately for me, it seems like by the time I, see, I, I wouldn't count the time before where I wasn't really into music. I would only time to count, but like, I would say for my first concert forward, that my first concert totally transformed me. When I went to Guar that first time, I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to concerts for the rest of my life. Like, this is it. And before then, I wouldn't have cared. So I don't know what I would have missed before then. I can only tell you what I would have missed after that point in time. Um, after that point in time, the only shows I really remember missing, uh, there's two that come to mind. One was ironically enough, a show that I declined to go with, with you, which I regret going to, uh, because it, it just so happened that the dead milkmen were reuniting the same day that Marilyn Manson was in town. And at that time I was a huge Marilyn Manson fan. I still love Marilyn Manson's music to this day. Not going to say anything about him personally with all the shit that's going around about him, but I still like his music a lot. And uh, unfortunately, I did not go see the Dead Milkmen, and I did go see Marilyn Manson, uh, which was another show I went to by myself. But he always put on a great show. I always felt like his shows were like, like you know, they were very entertaining in the same way that Guar's were. But I, I, that was the chance I had to go see the Dead Milkmen. And I didn't realize what I was missing at the time until later on. Do you remember going to that show? Yeah, that was that was uh, their their first show back. Uh, they they did they were doing two days at the Trocadero as a benefit and memoriam for uh, Dave Blood, who was their bass player who had recently passed. Right, and the shows were great. They were great, and luckily enough, they had so much fun at those shows that they decided to get back together. So if you're ever back in the Philly area. You have a decent chance of uh, going to see them. They don't. They don't do widespread touring because they all have their own lives. They have all have their own things that they do. But uh, they'll just randomly have a pop up show in Philly, and I've probably seen them probably about a dozen times since that show. That's awesome, man. I'm definitely going to pay attention because that's one of the regrets I have that I can still redeem. You know, that's something yeah. I don't think about it like every day or anything like that. But when, every time I listen to the Dead Milkman, I'm like, man, I should I should have just went to that show. Because that, at that point, I'd already seen Manson. Like that was probably like the third time I saw Manson. And it would have been the first time I saw a Dead Milkman. Being older, I realized <laughs> I realized I should have taken that opportunity. But, you know, at the time I was like, no, nah, I'm way more into Manson. I'm going to go see Manson. Yeah, I, I, I remember going to that show and it was really funny. I, I went with some friends from high school. We were we we were in college at the time. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. But I went with some friends from high school that were de- dead milkmen fans. And I go to the upstairs bar before the show and I'm having a drink. And um, uh, and I run into our mutual friend, Greg. <laughs> and oh, yeah. We start, he 
like, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're Anthony and Matt's friend. And I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? That was kind of the launching of like, uh, you know, a friendship that I still have to this day. So it's pretty cool. Greg, just so you guys know, he, he, he was our bass player when we had a band. And, and as far as like musical knowledge goes, if there's anybody that can go head to head with John Brenner, it's definitely Greg. Greg knows a ton about music as well. So I'm sure you guys have had plenty in-depth conversations about bands that I've never even heard of before. I lived with them for a summer. So <laughs> there was that, you know, there was lots of nerdy conversation going on. Absolutely. John, there was one other band that I missed that I had an opportunity to. And this is, this is probably the one that's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. And you don't know about this. And you're going to find out right now. In, I don't know, I would say time is changing completely for me as I get older. I don't know if things happened like five years ago or like 20 years ago. It's really bizarre. But unfortunately for me, I had, I had these tickets locked down. Locked down. I had him locked the f- down, John, for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers to pay, play a very small venue in Los Angeles. And this is, I think it was around the time I was like buying, buying a house with my wife and we were like, our finances were like, well, we can afford to do this, but we probably shouldn't do this. They were about 500 bucks a ticket. So we would have spent about $1,000 to go to the show. But it, I'm not even talking about scalper prices. These were like, the prices of the tickets because it was like a 1500 person venue, like 1,500 people would have gotten to see Tom Petty and the heartbreakers. And I had those fucking tickets in my queue and me and my wife were debating on if we fucking pay for them or not. Cause like, and we decided not to, then he dies like within a year of that happening. And it was like, that's rough. Yeah. I have, I had a similar one with that. Um, I had the opportunity to see the Rolling Stones at the tower. Holy and, crap. Yeah. And I like an idiot passed on that. So. That's a, a slightly bigger venue. That's like maybe what, like three, 3,000? No, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably about that. Probably about 3,000. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's, that, that's not, dude. When I saw the Stones, it was an arena. <laughs> that arena was packed. Like 3,000 was nothing. Yeah, they play stadiums. They play. Yeah. They play soccer stadiums. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy, man. Oh man, Did you, have you seen the Stones since then, or no? No, and, and and here's and here's the other one. About I guess it would have been about two years ago. They were supposed to play down here at uh, the Hard Rock Stadium where the Dolphins play, and they it's the, the 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 show got canceled because of uh, Hurricane Irma. Oh man, so. I didn't get to go to that show when it was rescheduled. No, the, the, well, that show would have been four years ago. Two years ago, it got rescheduled. They were uh, playing the show. And tickets were really reasonable on the, on the, on the third market. And I didn't go because I was tired from work. And now I'm like, man, post, you know, with, with, with what just happened in the last year, you can't do things like that. Just go. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get to see the Rolling Stones now. I mean, they seem like they're going to live forever, but I, I can't I can't guarantee that. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you do, I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything, but if you get the opportunity, they're definitely worth seeing. I didn't even care. Like, I've heard their songs. My, my wife likes the Rolling Stones, to be honest. I didn't really like them until I saw them live. And I was like, oh, my God, this dude is 75 and he has more energy than me. And I'm, I was like in 30 at the time. I was like, how is this even humanly possible? <laughs> well, well, it's funny with the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones are a band that I did not 
I mean, I always liked the Rolling Stones, but I didn't love the Rolling Stones until like my brother, who's 11 years younger than me, really started pushing, you know, behind the buttons record on me. And it was just like, wow, this is just this amazing piece of music. Yeah, my my brother, it's funny that my brother's really big influence on me musically. Yeah, if if it, like I said, if it wasn't for my wife, I never would have saw them, and I, I would never have the appreciation for them like I do today after seeing them live. And like to this day, like if I hear, a, if I'm on the radio, I'm like, oh, this is a Rolling Stone song, and I had never heard of it. I'm gonna listen to it because I have a whole new appreciation for their music. So definitely check those great. out. It, it, you know, if they go on tour again, take that opportunity, man. Yeah, I, I, I definitely won't miss out on the Stones again. That won't happen. They, if they come around, I'm going for sure. Is there a song you can think of? that you love now but the band you hate yeah um you know what it would be uh journey any way you want it (laughs) i hate journey i hear journey come on in a on a jukebox in a bar and i cringe but i hear that song and i'm like man this riff is just fantastic so here's some truth uh all right here i'll I'll be very quick with the story high school i was dating a girl I just got my license, dude. I must have had my license for like a month or two. Like I, I was very new to driving and she was like probably a year younger than me. She couldn't drive yet. She fucking loved Journey. She's like, I want to go to this Journey concert. It's like, all right, I don't even fucking know. I don't know anything about Journey. Let's fucking go. They had a replacement lead singer, which I'm sure you're aware of, but he sounds almost identical to the original singer. And he put on a fucking great show. And I, I fucking love Journey to this day because of that concert. They do have some great riffs, man. And they, and they do have the hits. Like, if you're going to, you know, the show, you're going to be like, oh, wait, I know this song and this song and this song and this song. I didn't even know how many songs I knew. And I, was, and I got there. I was like, oh, this fucking band is great. Like, so I, I get that for sure. But I think, I think the reverse is true, like, for, for what I'm about to say to you. So a band I don't like, but, but a song I like. I would probably say is I, I, I'm not going to even pinpoint a song for you because I'd have to probably hear one that recognize it, but I really don't like you two like at all. Like, but there is every once in a while I hear a song like, all right, that was a fine song, but I, I really am not, I don't understand why people like love you too. I don't, I don't get it. I love you too. I knew you were going to love you too. And uh, again, I know I'm not pinpointing a song, but like I've heard a couple songs like, eh, like you know, Sunday Bloody Sunday, like all right, it's it's fine, but I don't understand. I still don't understand why people love that band. Yeah, I mean, there were bands of that era that were. You, you know what? I I I really do like you too, but it does it does get to me a little bit that there were other bands in that era that were, in my opinion, superior bands that did not get the credit or, you know, a claim that they deserved. I think that's the problem I have is that I think there were so many better bands during that era that were getting overlooked by them. And I'm just like, how, like, how do you think that I'm sorry, I'm going to offend like everybody who loves you too out there, but I just, I, I can't comprehend it in my mind how you would like all you two above all these other bands that came out then. Like, it's like, they're fine. They're not but great, but they're fine. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, you know, Boy is a great record, but I'd rather go listen to Echo and the Bunnymen. Or, or like, <laughs> but like, another example was even like, my favorite U2 record, and this surprises a lot of people, is Octung Baby. That was uh, the record that came out in the early 90s. That was, you know, Mysterious Ways and 
even better than the real, you know, that, 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 that era of you two. Right. And I like it cause it sounds like stone roses, but I'm like, I can just go listen to stone roses. Like, a better, a better aversion. <laughs> yeah. So it's, so it's, so, so I get, so I, so in that regards, I do get that there, there is a little, there, I, I do, that does annoy me a little bit that you two is on this pedestal. And then like, you know, there's, there's their, their peers were not considered as highly regarded. For sure. No doubt. Is, is there a, a band you can think of that you disliked at first, but like later grew on you? Yeah. My, the one that would really come to mind with me would be uh, Weston. Weston were pop punk band from the nineties. And they were that band that opened every local show. And I just could not stand them. Like go and see face to face Weston's opening, going to see the descendants Weston's opening. And it was just, it was just annoying to me. Like I had, probably I'm, about seen, I'm about to say the same thing, but with a different band, just go keep I, going. I had probably seen them like a dozen times. And then my friend, Nicole, one day we were doing, we were doing, we did our record store trip and we would do our two hour drive from back from Philly to LBI. She played records. She bought, I'd play a record. I bought it. That was our thing. So she buys Weston got beat up. And I'm like, Oh no, we're really going to have to listen to this. And for whatever reason, it just clicked with me on that car ride home. I'm like, Oh, there's songs about the soda shop are supposed to be a joke. You're not supposed to take this band seriously. <laughs> so, it, uh, so uh, and then I started really, really loving this band and I only got to see them a couple times after liking them. I'd probably seen them a million times before that, but it was fun. They did a reunion show a uh, few years ago in Philly and I had become friends with the, uh, the bass player uh, while I was living in Philly. And I went up on stage during their encore and sang where Eagles dare by the misfits. And they had never, <laughs> it was not rehearsed. It was totally impromptu. And I got a nice little write-up in a zine over it. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. But it's, yeah, they were the band that I hated that I would become a super fan of. Kind of funny. Mine, mine's also, I think you would just label them as punk. I don't think you would label them as pop punk. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure it would just be punk. So yeah, yeah, it would be punk. But it would be like more on the poppy side of things. There was a band that I, I've heard about like a bunch of times. I've probably even seen them, you know, when I lived in New Jersey and stuff like that. Once I moved to California, if you live in Southern California and you've gone to any punk show, anyone, just throw a fucking dart at the board. This band has played there. I don't know how many times I ended up seeing this band, but I see them so many times to the point where it's like, I fucking like this band. Like I started listening to their songs and shit when like 10 years ago, I'd be like, I don't give a shit about that band. They can, they can play wherever. Like, and it was nothing I had against the band. I just never really paid attention to their shit. But being, you know, going to these shows and constantly seeing them over and over again, I started respecting them and I was like, oh man, I, I really like this song or I really like that song. And the band was Pennywise. And I couldn't believe, like they were constantly open to make shows for bands that I would go to see. And now if I hear fucking Pennywise show up on my Spotify, I'm like, yeah, dude, let's listen to some Pennywise. Where before I would have been like, skip. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny. I'm not a Pennywise fan, but I will say this. They played, I went to that, uh, it was a show in Philly. It was actually on my birthday, 2014, I want to say. They played, it was, uh, Offspring was doing their uh, Smash anniversary where they were playing Smash in its entirety. Nice. And the openers, 
the openers were Bad Religion, and of course I'm going to see Bad Religion. I never miss Bad Religion. Of course. Pennywise and the Vandals, and I'm never missing an opportunity to see the Vandals. That's another That's thing. That's a lineup right there. If you had an opportunity to see the Vandals, you take it because they never tour, they never play, and every time they are amazing. But Pennywise played, and they they opened up with a Ramones cover, which you get me. You get me at Ramones cover, you know? <laughs> and then they bring Brian Baker out from Bad Religion to play a minor threat cover. And I'm like, this is so cool. So I was like, you know what? Good for you, Pennywise, and showing your respect for the bands that came before you. So they're fine with me. Yeah, again, it was it was no there there was ne- there's, there's still there was never hatred in my heart towards Pennywise at all. But it was just like a band I could care less about. But I've heard them so much from like, man, I really like some of their songs. Like they're they they make very catchy fucking riffs and shit. Like I again I wouldn't label them as pop punk, but they know how to like manipulate your ears to be like, that sounds good and you want to listen to this again. Yeah, and 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 I had hours of enjoyment while in a band playing bro him as a joke cover <laughs> cover at practice it was it was always bro him and carousel by blink 182 they were the two songs that we always <laughs> played we're we're in this jersey hardcore band but we're gonna do bro him and carousel at practice for fun. <laughs> john was there ever a band that you used to be like a pretty big fan of or a big fan of in general and you kind of fell out of liking them well it's funny is that i do have one that I would eventually go, I would go back in love with. So when I was, uh, when I was 12, 13 years old, I was your typical massive Guns N' Roses fan. Like Guns N' Roses could do no wrong. I, you know how big into music I am. Guns N' Roses were my world. I could have been on that MTV show fanatic. <laughs> and then, and then, but then when I got into punk rock, I got way too cool for Guns N' Roses. Guns N' Roses posters came down and I just really never gave them much of a thought until I got to college. And then I became a huge Guns N' Roses fan again. It was weird though, because I spent like most of my high school years, just like not only not like not being into Guns N' Roses, but kind of having a disdain for them. Like, Mm. Oh, major rock star bullshit, you know? Yeah. And then, and then, uh, it was, it was weird. It was when he, it was when Axel got with the new, the new lineup, the lineup he had for a while with Buckethead and the bunch, they, uh, played, they played a Rocket in Rio set. This is when there was no Slash. Buckethead replaced Slash. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Tommy Stinson from the replacements was on bass. Basically, he just like formed this all star lineup, uh, of hired hands kind of deal. Right. And this uh, there was a there was a a, uh, they played a festival in Rio. So there was a pro shot of it. And I'm like, I need to see this out of curiosity. And I watched it, thought it was awesome. And then I was like, I was back into Guns N' Roses fanboy. And then when they you know, when Slash and Duff came back in the band a couple of years ago, I went to uh, the show in Philly, at uh, you know, where the Eagles play at the stadium where where, they were like in financial field. And okay. that show was probably the greatest moment of my childhood. And I was in my mid thirties. <laughs> so let me ask you this because obviously I love, I love like old guns and roses and stuff from like, you know, eighties and nineties. But when I saw, I, I don't remember if it was, it was either like at a super bowl or like an, it's like some sort of MTV event. I saw acting of the VMAs performance, which was not very good. He sounded like a train wreck, like an absolute train wreck, like his voice did. 
Um, and I'm only speaking about that. I'm not speaking about the rest of the band. But I was like, why would anybody want to watch this guy? Was that just that show that that happened at? Yeah, it was a bad performance. It was a bad okay. Because I actually did, I actually did see him at that tour at Madison uh, Madison Square Garden, and I felt like such a jerk because I went to the show and I thought it was like the greatest thing in the world. The next night they're supposed to play in Philly, and I'm in the parking lot. I'm tailgating and I'm telling all my friends how great the show was. But then Axel doesn't show. The riot happens. And we don't see Axel for a few years after that. Yeah. Yeah. He had a history of <laughs> not showing up to shows. He ditched Metallica in Canada, which was the yeah. night that I believe that uh, James Hetfield got his face caught on fire from Pyrotechnic. And there was a huge riot over there as well. Yeah, which is really interesting, though, because now they famously play they, their set times all start nine minutes before scheduled time. Like Axel's never late anymore. You hear interviews with him and he just sounds like this thoughtful, nice guy. I guess you get old enough and you're just like, what's the point in being a dick? Like that image is it's it's over. Like there's no point. Yeah, it's like it's it's really weird that in 2021, like I can sit here and go, wow, Glenn Danzig and Axel Rose are not nearly as big of douchebags as Morrissey. <laughs> you know? kind of funny oh man so real quick a side note morsey had a show scheduled out here and and my wife knows that i like morsey quite a bit and it was like a like a one of the bigger casinos that are out here the show didn't sell out and morsey canceled the show like yeah. probably a couple of weeks before the show was about to happen and she's like i don't understand why it's getting canceled and i was like this is like this is what morsey does his show didn't sell out so he canceled the show like, I've heard this before. Up. It doesn't yeah. surprise me because they were put through. There was commercials all over the place trying to get rid of those tickets. And I was like, I can't believe this shit. Like, I guess it is true. If he doesn't sell out, sell out a show, he's just going to cancel it. Well, that's it's funny. I, I once saw him at a half empty Borgata, which was really funny. I felt like I was seeing Morrissey at band practice. And it was that's it was crazy. Pretty, it, was a, it was a pretty cool experience. Well, he had played the man the night before. And he was playing New York the next night. So that's just bad schedule touring scheduling. Like, why are you going to sandwich an Atlantic City show in between <laughs> Philadelphia and New York? Like, nobody's right. going to go to the Atlantic City show. Right. I'm going to go because I live near Atlantic City, you know? And then um, I remember he, he, he took his shirt off and threw it to the crowd. My brother catches it. And then you watch grown men fighting with a small child over this shirt. So I grabbed the sleeve take out my keys and cut the sleeve off and was like, Patrick, we're going to go with Morrissey's sleeve. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I used to be all about that when I was a kid. It was like trying to catch like drumsticks or whatever they would throw out. But like you, once you reach a point of maturity, it's like, I remember grabbing a drumstick at the same time as like a kid. The kid was clearly younger than me by probably at least five years. And I just looked at him and I just let go of that shit. I was like, you got it, man. Like you're good. You know, like, but <laughs> It's like when you see you, grown men fighting with a child over a foul ball at a baseball game. It's like, what is your problem? Give it no, to the kid. It's crazy, man. Like, look, I did that shit when I was a kid, but eventually I got to the point where it's like, if even if I got something and like there was a kid near me that was clearly younger that wanted it, I would give it to him in a heartbeat. Yeah, like, you're gonna make cares, their man. day. You're gonna make their day. They're yeah. gonna remember that. You've already, you've likely already had that experience. So why don't, why not give that to somebody else? Yeah, exactly. For me, a band that I mostly fell out of, I'll be pretty quick with this. I really loved Weezer. And 
when they first came back, it was during the Green Album. So they made they made the Blue Album, super famous. Then they made Pinkerton, which a lot of people didn't like at the time. Obviously, now history has you know changed. That's its my mind. John. That's my John. Pinkerton's a fantastic album, period. And now a lot of the fans know that it's a fantastic album. The last I heard, like to this day, Rivers Cuomo does not like playing songs off that. Luckily, I was able to go to a few shows and actually hear him play a few Pinkerton songs. But they, when they came back, it was during uh, the Green album was like they're like they're, they're like comeback album. But before that, they wanted to get back into things. They wanted to go on tour. So this was in between Pinkerton and the Green album. I got to go see their first show back in Philadelphia. It was probably one of the first 10 shows they did in like a long time. And Yahoo.com, which was like a big thing at that time, which not not really anymore. They sponsored the show and I got I got a ticket to this show and it was like a giant ticket. It was like not a normal size ticket. It was fucking it was like Weezer. Yahoo presents Weezer, the electric factory this day, this time. And they played Pinkerton and the Blue Album because guess what? The Green Album wasn't even close to done yet. Like they, that's all they played. And it was a great show. That's fun. That's fun, man. That's fun. Yeah. And, and they were gearing up to like make the Green Album and then put that out. A few years later, the Green Album comes out. They do, they do a Y100 festival, which is like, a, you know, they did these very small like sets of bands. And if you were lucky to be like, get tickets to the show, maybe like 250 people showed up to these shows because that's all they allowed to do. It was for the radio station. And I got to go to that Green Album show and I got all their autographs. The bass player ended up leaving a few months later. So I actually had the bass player's autograph from that period of time, which is very hard to get because he was only there for, he was in Weezer for like a year, maybe. And then he was gone. Anyway, they played where Rocky Five was filmed in Philadelphia. And I got to see them play inside of the, the, the boxing ring, which was awesome. And they played again, you know, Blue Album, Pinkerton, and the Green Album. Green Album was mostly what they played because that's what they were touring on at the time. And I loved Weezer ever since that first show. I loved them before then. And they were like my favorite band. Then they came out with, you know, some other records. They came out with Maladroit. They came out with, the hell was it after that? It was the, the Black Album that had like Beverly Hills on it. And those albums were, those were okay. They were all right. They were fine. Then they made the Red Album, which I was like, ah, this, it's getting a little out there. Everything they made after the Red Album, I don't understand. I can't connect with this band the same way that I used to. What was the point in putting out a covers record where all the covers sound exactly like the original? Like, I don't get that. Like, I was excited for that. I'm like, I'm like, oh, wow, they're going to do AHA in Weezer style? And like, no, it just sounds exactly like AHA. Like, what is the point of this record? And they're a band that when they, when they, when they hit it big with the Blue Album, honestly, it just didn't speak to me. I was, I was the Guns N' Roses kid, as, as I would say uh just it just didn't do it for me and then a friend of mine in high school turned me on the pinkerton and i fell in love with that record and went back and fell in love with the blue record right but the blue record is just a perfect pop record it's just it's just there's not a song you can skip on that record no it's it's perfect and that, that that's a band i was totally wrong on but you're totally right with their uh with their letter uh discography i would i want to like it like that's the thing. Like every time they put out a new record, I put it on. I give it a. I give it a spin. Every time I, I want to like it. I want to like it, and it just nothing captures that magic of those first two records. The the ironic part is probably about two or three years ago they made a statement and they were like, "We're sorry for the music we've put out over the few years. 
They literally said they were, they were basically putting out like an apology. Like, we know this isn't what you guys wanted. We were experimenting. We we're doing other things. And that's totally fine. And then they were like, this album is going to be us coming back to our roots. And then it was the same shit. Like, <laughs> no, you can't say that and then make the same shit that you've been making for the past few years. you got to change, man. You have yeah. to change. And I've listened to the most recent, re- recent record, which was Van Weezer, which was like them, you know, he's very inspired by heavy metal, which I appreciate. But it is not the same. Man, can you just please go back to being Weezer? Can you please just be yourself? Like, that's all I want. I don't want you making, like, pop rock dance albums. I want you to make a fucking Weezer record. That's all I want. Nothing else. Even <laughs> if it sounds like it. Beverly Hills, give me that shit. You're not going to get it. <laughs> You're not going to get it. I'm sorry, everybody. I... I if you follow me, you know I go on these rants at least once a show, and this had to be my rant because I have such a love for them, and it's only because I love them that I can hate their new shit this much. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like Rivers should just start a new project that, and not call it Weezer. Like, I can respect that. Sometimes you might be done with your Weezer. You might be done. I get that. But don't put the Weezer name on it if it's yes. not Weezer. It's not the same. And, and quite frankly, I don't know if it will ever be the same. I, 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 I don't see that happening. And if it does happen, it's just going to be because of like some sort of wanting to grasp something that just isn't there anymore. We're going to probably do a whole show about this eventually in the future. But my, my other opinion about artists are once they reach a certain level of fame or, or prosperity, like monetarily, they change and they can never go back to being who they used to be. And they, they can't connect with their audience in the same way. And I'm not saying that happened to, to Rivers, but I feel like that might have happened to him. It's, it's very possible that he's not who he used to be, which I understand. But again, like I can't follow you on this journey that I don't understand anymore. But uh, you, sometimes, sometimes I'll, I'll give you an example that I'm always surprised by. Springsteen still puts out Springsteen records, which totally blows my mind because He's still singing songs about, you know, working class, poor New Jersey. And it's like, have you ever seen the estate that man lives on? <laughs> but, he, but I think it's because he, he, he admits that he was always a bit of a phony. I mean, he, he was a struggling musician coming up, but he was never the dock worker that he sang about. He never worked a nine to five in his life. He was always trying to be the rock star. And I think that's what, why he's still able to capture that because he isn't he's not he's he's not doing something that he hasn't done his whole entire career well look look look, knowing your audience is half the battle right knowing the audience and telling a good story like johnny cash half the shit that johnny cash sung about never he never personally experienced in his life he might have watched other people experience it but he was a great storyteller and springsteen is the same way i think he can understand where people come from better than than most and he's able to express those feelings and opinions even though he doesn't come from that experience himself. Oh yeah. Johnny Cash famously says that, uh, you know, people would always, always come up to him and say, my dad was in prison with you. And he's like, "Ah, I was never in prison. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. That's so great. Like, like obviously knowing Johnny Cash, it's like that dude was, you can take, you can say whatever you want about him. He was a storyteller and he was great at telling stories. That's what he was. And if you appreciate that, you'll understand his music a lot more. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny is Johnny is the greatest man. Love Johnny. I could listen to Johnny all day. Absolutely. Twice on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. 
John, do you do you happen to have uh, this is a hard question. Do you have a favorite song? I actually do. I do. Uh, and it's and it's weird because I actually have been I've had a little annoyance with said favorite song recently, and I'll tell you why. It's uh it's ceremony by either New Order or Joy Division, whoever you want to give credit for. It was the last song that Joy Division made as a band. They never recorded it properly. There's a couple live bootlegs of it. And then it was the first single they recorded as New Order after Ian Curtis had passed and they were no longer Joy Division. Hmm. So it's this perfect bridge of this, you know, people listen to Joy Division and people listen to New Order and they can't really comprehend how they're the same band and like how they such distinct difference in sounds. That is like the perfect bridge for the bands. And it's just also just this amazing piece of music that every time I hear it, I get happy and I'm inspired and it just makes me want to do great things. But here's the problem now. At the hotel I currently work at, it gets played on the lobby station, which means I have to hear it three times a day. That's I'm so sorry for you. Yeah. So it's a little rough because I, I still get happy when I hear it, but it's still but it's 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 waning just because of that. Because the hotel lobby station, we basically have the same. 15 songs or so that are played on a loop. Yeah. Where I work currently, it's like they record things and sometimes there's music, but it's on, it's on like a 45 minute, if I'm lucky, an hour loop and God forbid there's ever a song on there, but then that song gets stuck in your head. And then, then you end up hating the song, you know, like there was a, there's a soundtrack to like Mario Odyssey. It has like a title track that's like super popular I don't know how many times it must have been three months, John, that I had to listen to that song multiple times a day. And many people love it. And they're like, oh, my God, this is such a great song. I'm like, no, not anymore. That's like that's like my. Well, the thing is, the thing is, I I can't complain because I've worked in some lobby. I've worked in some hotels with just some god awful lobby music. And this one, they have New Order, the Pixies and Pavement. Like, how could I complain about that? It's pretty it's pretty nice. But I remember when my brother worked, my brother worked in Wawa for many years. And I went in there one time, went in there one time and I'll be you by the replacements was on. And I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. Like I go to my brother and like, I'm, I'm cashing out. Uh, and I'm like, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm like, that's cool. I'll be you on in the story. He was like, dude, it gets played six times a day. I can't listen to it anymore. <laughs> I'm like, that's rough. That's rough. Wawa ruining the replacements for you. That's not fun. No, look, these places that want to like, you know, play music or whatever, for, for the love of the employees, you know, your customers, whatever, no one's paying attention to that shit. If you want to put on something, at least put on like some sort of radio station or internet radio that does not play the same songs over and over again. You're going to make people hate that music. It's a terrible thing to do. You make your employees want to kill themselves when they go to work. Like Dude, you don't even understand what you're doing to them. Uh, and you, you know what the worst time of year for that shit is, right? Christmas. Yes. We, we realized me and, cause I worked my first hotel that I worked at, I could work all three shifts. I worked overnights, I worked mornings and I worked PMs. So I worked every shift and me and my overnight valet guy realized that there must be 80 versions of little drummer boy. There has to be, <laughs> there has to be. So we started taking a tally every time it came on, whether it was the, uh, whether it was the Johnny Cash version, whether it was the the Elvis version, which which had like the entire like you know tabernacle choir in the background singing that song, the, there's just a million versions of it. So we started taking a notch. 
And I would pass it on to the next shift and be like, yo, guys, can you, every time the little drummer boy comes on, take a knot, take a notch. 26 times in a 24-hour period, the little drummer boy got played. So that means it was getting played more than once an hour. That's insane, dude. The, the, this is why when people like talk about 2021 and they're like, oh, how are you going to motivate employees? Don't subjugate them to listening to the same shit over and over again. It's tor- That's what they do in like torture camps, man. You're doing that to your employees. <laughs> what the fuck? Give me some variety. Yo, let me let me put on let me put on like a Spotify station. I'll keep it family friendly. Exactly. A- anything, man. Even if they control it, I'm fine. But like you cannot put on a loop for your employees, dude. That is wrong. And you're gonna make people hate their job. That is like the number one way. You- I have to listen to this TV all the time, John. I've I've become very good at blocking it out. But every once in a while, they say something, and then it just triggers my mind where I like I'm saying what they're about to say because I know what they're going to say. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Oh and my it was, god! It, it would be like, man, I used to get enjoyment out of hearing Little Saint Nick by the Beach Boys. If I have to hear it again, I'm going to blow my brains out. I, I look. All these corporations are, are changing in 2021. They're being more accommodating to people. They're being like, oh, you know, we respect your decisions as a person, and this and this and that. And then you're going to make them listen to the same fucking trash in their ears, even if it's not trash. You're going to turn it into trash by making them listen to it over and over again. They're literally ruining my favorite song. Like, that's that's rough. (sighs) Corporations. (laughs) (laughs) Corporations. I'll show them. (laughs) Now, this is some punk rock shit. (laughs) Um, For me, I don't, I can't say that I have a favorite song. I will say this about music in general. Uh, It'll be just a very broad statement. I love all sorts of music, all sorts of things. Uh, You know, whether there's vocals or not, it doesn't matter. However, when you listen to a piece of classical music, like something that, you know, Bach or Beethoven created, there is nothing like that. There will nothing, there will never be anything that replaces like a piece of classical music to me that is better. You know, removing words, you know, makes it like a, completely more emotional to me than having the words in there. I love, I do appreciate telling the story and all that stuff, but I would say that, you know, if you're asking me what the, you know, my favorite song is, it's probably something that's classical that you can interpret however you want and let the music move you. But I can't point to a specific song, you know, off the top of my head, like, like for Elise from Beethoven, which is extremely popular. I know that's probably cliche shit to say. I love that song. And I can, I could probably listen to that for quite a while. Well, it's funny. It's funny that you bring up Bach, though. Uh, my last, my last uh, house I lived at in uh, South Philly, we we would have uh, nights where we listen, we put Bach on and played Scrabble and drank wine, and we thought it was like the classiest thing in the world. That's some classy shit, man. <laughs> our uh, our our Wi-Fi our Wi-Fi password was Bach Jams. <laughs> so next, I wanted to ask you. Um, this is something that's. I feel is changing in music when bands have shows. Now they're either like, you know, a normal show, like it's a one day event or it's like an all day event, or it's like a festival. That's like a weekend long, which do you prefer to going to and why? I prefer the show. I prefer a single night show. I'm really not big on festivals. Whenever I see a festival lineup, I'm like super stoked on seeing like, I'm like, Oh my God, all these bands together. Then I'm like, realize the, I'm going to be around a million people. It's an all day thing. It's work. Whereas like a show I go, I have an experience with a specific band I want to see and then I'm out and then I'm, I'm at a bar 
talking about the show I just saw and having a couple of drinks and it's, and I'm, and I'm remembering, I'm, a, I'm still soaking it in what I just saw. Whereas when I go to a festival, I have a lot to, uh, to process. Um, I used to love the, this is hardcore festival in Philly. That was a three day event. Never, that was all day for, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it was the greatest, but that would probably be like an exception to the rule. I, 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 I traditionally like just going to a show. Yeah, I would agree with you um, mostly. So I will say that every time I see a three-day festival or like a, even a two-day festival, I'm, I'm like automatically turned off. I'm like, I, I just, I'm a grown adult. I think most, I think at this point, most people that are going to these shows, unless it's like, I guess it has to do with the music that I listen to, but most of the time I go to shows, it's people that are slightly younger than me to people that are slightly older than me. And there's no like real kids there, you know? Yeah. Um, but if, they, if I see a two or three day show, I'm like, I'm just skipping it all. Like, don't stop. Like, just stop <laughs> with this nonsense. I'll give you a perfect example. Offspring, uh, who, I, who I've grown to love. I didn't love them back in the day, but I, I can truly love Offspring now, especially after seeing them a bunch of times. They are a fantastic band to see live. They put on a show out in Southern California in Ocean County. They have their own show every year. And there's it's like a beer festival. And when this show started out, it was one day only. It was like a Saturday. Maybe it was a Sunday. And you went there. If you got a VIP ticket, you had better access to like the stage. You had early access to the beer, which is mainly what I wanted. Like, you know, you go there, you can drink all day. It was a one-day show. Over the past few years, pre-pandemic, they changed it to like a two- or a three-day festival. And I was like having to pick which day I wanted to go. And I really hated that because it would be like, cool. If you want to see Bad Religion, you're going to go on Friday night. Oh, if you like face-to-face, they're playing on Saturday night. And of course, Offspring's playing on Sunday. So which day? I want to go to all three days, but I work a full-time job. I'm a grown-ass adult, and I don't have time to be taking a three-day weekend. Why can't you just put all the bands together? <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. Give me a show. Give me a show any day, man. So I do like those shows when they're one day. That being said, if, they're, if it's not like an all-day beer and like, you know, wine or whatever festival and then a show like in between, then I want to just go to a one-night show where it's like 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. or whatever. And, and if the other option is three days, then I don't even want to go to any of the days because you're ruining the whole experience for me. I'm with you on that completely. Who has time yeah. for that, man? Yeah, like... like um... Like I remember when the uh, like the Stone Roses got back together and they were playing Coachella. That was like the big deal, and I was just like, I don't want to go to Coachella. <laughs> that's a whole that's a whole to do. <laughs> I live just so you guys know. I live like I can go to Coachella in like twenty minutes. I could drive there in twenty minutes, not fly, drive. I can be there right away. You're talking about three days in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the heat. That I understand how hot it is out here. And you want me to watch all these other bands just to see one or two bands I want to watch? Get the fuck out of here, dude. I'm not going to your goddamn festival. No. No, Coachella. <laughs> now, we have a very important question here at the end. Why is Billie Eilish awesome? Because she's her, man. She's just awesome. Like, I get, I get shit for that. That I like her. I'm like, dude, she's cool. Like, I... I have a weird appreciation for top 40 pop. I do. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's something, it's, it's definitely not a go-to of mine. But if I'm digging something, I dig it and I get it. I get the appeal with her. She's just playing by her own rules. She's doing her shit. 
She's not uh she's almost like the punk rock pop star. Yeah, man. I'm look, I'm hundred percent there with you. The first time I heard her, I was like, I get that this is pop, but she's she's just like doing whatever, and they're putting her on the radio because she's doing whatever. Like <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I love her. I love her music. I think I listened to her first album. I listened to some of her singles. She is the best pop artist probably since like the 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 nineties when like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera were like a thing. Like she's the best pop star since then. I'm an unap- I'm an unapologetic uh, Britney fan. Just throwing that out there. She was great. Oh, you haters. Yeah, I agree. I I always called shit for that one. <laughs> I'm not I'm not afraid to deny, it, man. Come on. Hey, People going through my CD book, and it's like, Avail, Bad Religion. Britney Spears? Oops. Did it again? Like, like, hell yeah, man. I remember I remember going to, like, band practice and, like, learning Britney Spears songs just to show uh, my, friend Jake's, <laughs> my friend Jake's little sister. And that was, like, her, like, oh, my God, you can play crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, we mentioned on the next episode, we're going to be going into some 90s music videos. I'm very excited for that. I'm sure you are as well. Oh, definitely. I have quite an experience with uh, 90s uh, music videos, and there'll be a lot, lot, a, a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to touch on that, some Beavis and Butthead as well. Um, in the meantime, you guys can check out our other shows. We have wrestling podcast, gaming podcast, movie podcast, all over on our enthusiast at youtube.com. You guys can help us out and support our shows on Patreon, patreon.com slash over there. You can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. We're on every social media platform you can imagine that makes any sense. So please follow us on those things. I hope you guys join us again on this musical journey for the next show into 90s music videos. John Brenner, thank you very much for joining me today. I hope you've enjoyed this show. Thank you, man. This is this is, this is a real treat. This was a lot of fun today. I can't wait to uh, do more of these. Absolutely. We look forward to going on this musical journey with you guys, and we hope you join us for our next show. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. You can follow me at from NJ to CA on Twitter. John, where can people find you? Sloop John B at uh, on Twitter. No, Sloop John B two three two. Yeah, um, uh, Instagram is Sloop uh, Sloop John B two three two as well. There you go, guys. Follow us there. Ask us questions. We'll put them into the next show. If it's also Sloop, Sloop John two three two. There we go. Sloop John two three two. There you go, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the show. Let us know uh, with feedback, and you guys have a great day. Peace out. Later.